Well, uh, good morning again. We have arrived at the end of our study in Acts. Uh, We're going to cover, we're in Acts 28, and we're going to start in verse 16 and read all the way to the end. And I look back and uh, when we started this study, and it was September the 13th of 2020, and um, I don't exactly remember where we were because that was COVID year, and I don't remember what we were doing, but we were outside, maybe we started it outside, I just don't remember to be honest with you, but September the 13th, 2020, and here it is March the 13th, 2022, so almost a year and a half that we've been in this study, and uh, we'll actually have one more lesson next week. Um, and the reason we'll have it is because in Sproul's commentary, he included uh, as basically an epilogue at the end uh, verses from Second Timothy, where the end of Second Timothy, where it's Paul's basically his final words uh, to Timothy. So we'll in, we'll finish with that next week, and then we'll um, <clears throat> take a little bit of an interlude. We'll do something just a little bit different, probably a short video series just to break things up give you all a break from having to listen to me every Sunday morning and uh, give me a little bit of break and just it, it helps both of us <laughs> and then we'll start a new study uh, soon it won't take too long maybe more than a month or two and then we'll start a new study and we'll pick back up so again today uh, Acts 28 uh, 16 through 31 <clears throat> let me read those verses together Now when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who... When they had examined me, wanted to let me go, because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called you and to set you and to speak with you, because for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. Then they said to him, We neither receive letters from Judea from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think. For concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him in his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified to the kingdom of God persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning until evening. Then some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said the one word, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet our father, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear, hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing, you will see and not persuade, not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their hearts. Lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal him, heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when they had, when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God 
and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding Him. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, again, Father, as we come to the end of this uh, book of Acts, Father, the Acts of the Apostles, we again thank You for our time that You have set aside this past year and a half. And Father, we ask today as we do each Sunday that You be here with us and be our teacher this morning. We pray that You will uh, use Your Word to change each and every one of us, Father, and to make us more like Christ. We ask that you be with us this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so the first verse we uh, read in 16, we realize that Paul was put under house arrest. He was not put directly into a Roman prison. Uh, the, he was able to enjoy... The company of his friends, he had some liberty that uh, if he was in a prison, he would not have. Um, but he was kept under 24-hour guard. And this 24-hour guard was basically this. There was a Roman soldier chained to his wrist. So they had his one wrist-to-wrist chained to a Roman soldier 24-7. The guards... Uh, each worked a four-hour shift. So in any 24-hour day, there could be six different guards assigned uh, to protect or to guard uh, Paul. And um, we can imagine, of course, they did not appreciate uh, being chained to the apostle because they had to do whatever he did, go where he went, with obviously with uh, limitations. Um, but... As Dr. Sproul put it, uh, there were uh, no more blessed guards in the history of the world than these men who had the unspeakable privilege of being cuffed to the wrist of the world's greatest preacher of all time. Can you just imagine being there 24-7 with the greatest preacher of all time? Dr. Sproul added um, that he can only imagine their situation as they stand and will stand before the judgment seat of God if they had ignored His teaching. Being chained to Him, they would hear everything that He taught and and preached and spoke about. And just imagine being there and then ignoring that and not acting upon that. And that was uh, Sproul's point. And they were guarding God's anointed apostle. Dr. Sproul then tells a little bit about the closest thing he's ever witnessed to a house arrest. Because this was this this kind of arrest that Paul was under. And I don't guess it's practice too much. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. Some people have some sort of house arrest. They use technology today, right? Uh, to lock you in your home and make sure you don't leave. Uh, but he said the closest thing he's ever seen is uh, back when he was teaching at Gordon Conwell uh, Seminary. Uh, Gerald Ford, when he was a president, uh, one, I guess his, he says his son, I don't know how many sons he had, his son enrolled in, in the seminary and was preparing for ministry. And so President Ford's son was in Dr. Sproul's class. <clears throat> and so Dr. Sproul said although he was a son of a sitting U.S. president, most of the time he felt like a prisoner. And I can only imagine uh, what the children of presidents can go through. Because the Secret Service went with him everywhere. Interesting job. Anyway, when the uh, when the student, when Gerald Ford's uh, President Ford's son would arrive at class, at the beginning the men would escort him to class, kind of just come in and and let him uh, see him to his seat, and then they would wait outside. 
That was kind of that was their practice at the beginning. And he says, and after a few days, the men started staying inside the classroom and started listening to the lectures that Dr. Sproul was giving. He said, then after a few more days, uh, he noticed they started taking notes. And, uh, and they did so throughout the remainder of the course, these Secret Service agents. Uh, he said, you know, I can't help but wonder whatever happened to those men. I can't help but wonder. They're, they're there um, because it's their job to be there. But obviously something, God was working. God was doing something because something changed in them. They, it was no longer just a job. They were, in, they were interested and, and seeking to learn things about God. So he says, I, he said, so in a very similar way, he said, uh, Dr. Spool said, I just can't help but wonder what happened to those guards that guarded Paul. Just wonder what happened. We just don't know. We have no record of what happened to these men. Well, after uh, three days of being under this house arrest, Paul asked for the leaders of the Jewish community in Rome to come and visit with him. He, um, he did not go to the synagogue as was his usual practice because he's under house arrest. He wasn't allowed to. Uh, so he invited them to come see him. And many of them answered his invitation. And we see here in verses 17, 18, and 19, it says, And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. Notice in Paul's introduction here to these men, there is no spirit of vengeance. Uh, there's really no anger towards them. Uh, you can just see he's, he's just speaking the truth about what happened. He had, he had nothing which to accuse, nothing bad to say about his nation. Uh, after all, remember, okay, these people who are now in front of him, this representative group, uh, these are the people who he had written about three years earlier, earlier when he said, basically, I would give up my salvation for the salvation of these people if they could be saved. Remember, Paul had written that in Romans. Uh, these are the same people. That's the Apostle Paul said, I would, I would give up my salvation, my conversion, if they could be saved. So, he has a heart for these people. He has a deep love for these people. That's a bold statement, isn't it? I would give up my salvation if they could be saved. Anyway, so even in chains, literally Paul is chained to a Roman guard. He pours out his heart to his fellow Jews. Verse 20, it says, For this reason, therefore, I have called for you, to see you and speak with you, because for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. So Luke goes on to tell us that these local leaders had heard nothing about the charges against Paul. Uh, they had received no letters. No one had come to Rome to bear witness to him. Remember, that was a part of the requirement to bring charges. You've got you to gotta be there. You have to face your accuser. You have to bring the charges and, 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 and be there as far as when, it, when a trial happens. 
and no one's come. No one's even sent uh, letters. However, it said, Luke tells us they did want to hear about this new sect, the way that people were called, this Christ, these Christians. They wanted to hear about this because why? Because everybody's talking about this, this, this group. Everybody's talking about it. What's, what's really going on here? Now you can explain to us about this group. Well, the, why no one would send uh, less uh, messengers or letters to Rome from Jerusalem might seem a little bit strange. But remember, um, no one had made this trip. Remember, Paul and his group barely made it their life. So no one's going to make uh, the trip to Rome uh, during the time of the year. Uh, so the uh, it we can then we don't have record that they ever came, but we could just kind of assume at this time the elders in Jerusalem are waiting for better weather, probably to make the trip if they were to make it at all. Whatever the case, okay, whatever happens, um, the delay in them coming to Rome gave Paul an opportunity, gave Paul time, gave Paul an opportunity to witness and to share the gospel to the Jews there, and he does not squander an opportunity. He never has, and he's not going to start now. Verse 23, it says, So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified to the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. How does Paul start? Paul starts... Remember, Paul is trying to meet... Just like Jesus. Jesus would meet people where they were. He tried to connect with them where they were. Paul's doing the same thing. Here's a, these are devout Jews. And the, the Jews knew the Old Testament. They hold to the Old Testament Scriptures. And so he started by explaining the kingdom of God. Well, why is that important? Well, our understanding, their understanding of the kingdom of God is what connects the Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay, a lot of things, there's, there's a lot of things in the Old Testament that we don't do today, but there's a connection. Okay, there's a connection, and it has to do with our understanding of the kingdom of God. The content of the gospel, which we know, uh, deals with the person and work of Jesus Christ. But before we hear uh, the content of the gospel, us like them, we need to hear about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, so we can have a framework to put this gospel message into. Remember when John the Baptist came, what was his message? It was his message was simple. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was calling people to repentance. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. During his ministry on earth, Jesus' message was exactly the same. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, many times, uh, Jesus used parables to explain the kingdom of God. There are many parables that start it this way. The kingdom of God is like... Da, 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 da. And He would use different parables. Right, The kingdom of God is like... So at the center of Jesus' own preaching was the kingdom of God. And so all throughout uh, the Old Testament... God promises His people that He's going to send a Messiah. He's going to send His anointed Messiah into the world at the proper time to do, to save His people, to be their King. And so the Old Testament is all about that, isn't it? It's all about 
the promised Messiah. Now, the Jews would agree with that. Okay, they would agree that it's about the promised king coming. And so that's where Paul starts. He finds the common ground. Okay, they would agree with that. Yes, the Old Testament is exactly. It's about the Messiah coming. It's about the kingdom of God. It's the king, the great king that God has promised from the beginning of time that he's going to send to set up his kingdom and to save his people from their sins. So that's where Paul starts. Common ground. Again, a wonderful skill, a wonderful practice in any kind of apologetics or evangelism, finding that place to start uh, together so we can agree. So the Jews, like all the rest of the Jews, have been waiting for a king. They're waiting for the Messiah. And so going back to the Jewish Scriptures, Paul began to show them Christ and the Gospel through the Old Testament Scriptures. Now, this was no, uh, this Dutch Paul said, this was no three-minute message, right? This was no pray this prayer and you'll be saved. Because um, what does Luke tell us? Luke tells us that it took Paul from how long? From morning until evening to explain this. Now, wouldn't, that would have been a sermon to sit under, a teaching, right? That would have been amazing to hear Paul expound upon the Old Testament, a, a scholar in the Old Testament, to expound upon that history, Old Testament Jewish history, and then bring it forward uh, to uh, Christ and showing Christ and the Gospel. And so Paul's point was, I'm going to start, I'm going to meet them where they are, I'm going to take them to the Scriptures and show them Christ. And his point was to show them that all of your history, all of your history throughout the Old Testament since the beginning of time, is uh, has now been brought to them. The long-awaited Messiah, the one you have been waiting for, is this Jesus Christ. This one whom you have heard about. That's Him. And so that was Paul's point. Now in verse 24, Luke tells us that some were persuaded by the things which were spoken. He says, and some disbelieved. Well, uh, again, we've been in Acts for a year and a half. And a lot of that time has been Paul's missionary journeys. And so you know what to expect when Paul preaches. Some are going to believe and some are not going to believe. And that's the case here just like it's been throughout Paul's ministry. This is a constant challenge because not everyone responds to the gospel message. Not everyone hears it has to be discouraging, but at the same time, that's God's work. And Paul understands that. So he doesn't get discouraged. In verses 25 through 27, it says, So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said the one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our father, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. And their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their hearts. Lest they should understand with their hearts in turn. So that I should heal them. Now at this point, 
if you can hear it or if you can imagine if you were sitting there and witnessing these events and what had happened, Paul, in a very real sense, was rebuking them for not believing. In a very real sense, he was rebuking them. Paul believed uh, that, it's like we believe, that the Old Testament was inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit carried men along to write the Old Testament. And so when... They left uh, in unbelief. Paul was telling them the Holy Spirit was right. The Holy Spirit, when he spoke through the prophet Isaiah, was right. The Holy Spirit had told the prophet what was going to happen. And he said exactly what those people would do. And and, and Paul's basically saying, some things just don't change. It still happens uh, today. Now... Here at this point, uh, Dr. Sproul says there's, uh, he points out there's a, a parallel, a parallel experience. When you compare Isaiah's experience in the temple when, when the Lord called, when God called him into service, and you can compare Paul's experience on the road to Damascus. Okay, he's saying there's a parallel between their calling and their experience. And so here Paul is reminding them of the call of Isaiah. If you remember, after Isaiah volunteered uh, for this mission, we have these words, what would what, what God say? He says, I'm going to send you. God told him, I'm going to go. You're going to go. Um, even though God would make the hearts of the people dull. Their ears deaf and their eyes blind. It was, it was almost God's giving him a mission impossible. He's like, I'm, I'm sending you a people not going to listen to you. That's what God told him. I'm sending you to a people who will not hear you. Um, they were spiritually dead. And God knows that. Now, hey, wow. Okay, think about that for a minute. You know, if, if, if you were considering, uh, many, many people here have gone on mission trips. Uh, some of you know people who are long-term missionaries. And what if God told you, I'm sending you to, think of a remote place in Africa that's, that's um, not uh, near as nice as here. You know, I'm going to send you. I'm, I'm sending you here, and guess what? None of the people are going to hear anything you have to say. <laughs> really? Why are you sending me, Lord? Why are you sending me there? But but Isaiah, you know, it, obviously there's some challenges. You know, okay, we're we're human, and God's God, and we have to obey. Um, but you got to be thinking, okay, well, Lord, what are you going to do? And the Lord does tell him. What he's going to do. Because the Lord said what to Isaiah? You're going to send you. They're not going to listen. But there will be a tenth. There will be a small group of people. That we're going to save. Out of this. A remnant. A remnant that will be the seed to grow my people. Remember so God said hey it's going to be bad. But I've got a small number. Still here. That I'm going to save. So Isaiah. Um responds obviously he goes and uh, even with that encouragement and so when we think about Paul's calling we think about Isaiah's calling we think about all the challenges that Paul has had now on his earthly ministry during these missionary journeys uh, so much hostility but many people believing and coming and knowing Christ and so now as we kind of as we get here to the end of acts okay we're we're finishing our study here in Acts, and uh, so we are coming uh, to the end of the record 
of the apostolic teaching of the first century. Okay, this is this is uh, the end. Again, we've been here a year a year and a half studying uh, this book. And Dr. Sproul asks these questions. He says, we're, we're here. This is the end of the teaching. He says, have you heard it? Have you heard what Paul's been saying? Have, have, you, have you seen it? Have you seen what the teaching has, uh, been, has what has been offered in the teaching? Have you seen the gospel? Have you seen Jesus through the teaching of the gospel of the apostles? He says, or have you become callous? To the word of God. And that's a hard question to think about. Have you have you become callous to the word of God? Is it it is or excuse me, it is impossible. Okay, just like uh, we see here these Jews that are listening to Paul said some believed, some disbelieved, it is impossible to hear the word of God and remain neutral. It is absolutely impossible to hear it and remain neutral. It is impossible to hear the word of God and remain unchanged. It is un, it's impossible. Why? So what are the options? Either you move towards sanctification, right? Or you move towards a hardness of heart. It is not neutral. There is no neutral position. These people that, that Paul is speaking to, they knew the scriptures. They knew the Old Testament. They knew it backwards and forwards. And Paul was telling them this. Paul was telling them this. Either you're, you're going towards or you're going away. You're going towards God or you're going away from Him. You're, you're, you are embracing the Word of God and the truth or you're just hardening your heart. And it keeps getting harder. That's the worst part about uh, this, when they, people ignore the Word of God, or they choose not to embrace the Word of God, it just makes their heart harder towards the Gospel. Isaiah was telling the truth when he, uh, when we have the, the words uh, of his in the Old Testament, uh, he was telling the truth. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was speaking through him. We're talking about the people not hearing, okay, and becoming dull. And some people will say, uh, and we've had these discussions, some people will say that that doesn't seem fair. That God closes the eyes and the ears and then punishes them for that. Some will say that doesn't seem fair. And if you know what, if you look at it from a strictly human perspective, and you, and you just, it's all about you and it's about man. I can see where people would think that. That's not fair. How can God do that? But we have to remember to look at things through, or try to attempt to look at things from God's perspective because we all know, and we've been talking about this on Sunday night in terms of election and the, retro, and, and the retrobate. In our natural state, we do not want to hear God. We do not want to, to see the things of God. That is naturally how we are. Paul understands this. Isaiah knows this. And so when God closes the eyes and the ears, what God is doing is He's just leaving them in their natural state. 
He's not acting upon them. He's not saving them. He's leaving them to what they want. They do exactly what they want to because in the first place they didn't even want to hear Him to begin with. That truly is, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs. Uh, our heart goes out to our unsaved people, our neighbors, our family, because we are eager to pray and to share the gospel with them. But we know at the end of the day, it's God who makes people alive. It's God who changes the hearts of men and women to make them want to hear. He changes the disposition of the heart. He gives you a, takes a dead heart and He makes it alive. And so that person now wants to see the things of God, wants to hear the things of God, and can understand for the first time. When speaking about His judgment, God's judgment in Revelation Uh, 22.11, it says, God says, He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. God, he's talking about the righteous judgment of God Um, in Revelation. And of course, R.C. got here, he says, you know, if you hear, if you hear the word of God and the gospel of Christ, and it, you continue to fall away, you continue not to listen, then it very well may be that God gives you over to that forever. And that's the warning of Paul. That's Paul's warning here. It's the warning of Paul as he's sharing, as he's taking all day with his Jewish brothers, people he dearly loved. Okay, these people he dearly loved, trying to share with them the truth through the Old Testament and how it points to Christ. And his warning is, if you continue to harden your hearts, God may just leave you there forever. That's tough, isn't it? That's, 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 that's tough. That's hard. I understand that. Paul understands that. That's why he's, his heart is so genuine here. He loves these people. He wants them, above all anything else, to know Christ and who he, and who he is and what He's done. Verse 28, it says, Therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent out to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. Well, that's good news for you and me, isn't it? That's good news for you and me. We are not Jew. We are Gentiles. That is very good news that God has sent the salvation to the Gentiles. The gospel of Jesus Christ is now for all people. All sorts of people. All different kinds of people. It is not just the Jews. <clears throat> we are Gentiles and, and God has now, like that divine gardener, He has grafted us in like that wild olive tree. He's grafted us into the family. We are not natural born members of His family. He has grafted us in. And what Paul says in Romans 5 where sin abound, grace abound even all the more. Just an amazing piece of, of what God is doing in the world, how He's using the Apostle Paul, how He's using the early church. What uh, just amazing gratitude that we should all have because we, again, we're in that group. We're the Gentiles. We're the not in the family of God, but God has uh, shared and sent His gospel out to the Gentiles that they may hear it. 
The last uh, two verses here. Verse 30 and 31. Says, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence and no one forbidding him. Dr. Sproul said, and, and for those of you who are familiar with him and you've heard him preach and you, you know, he's got a sense of humor about him, you know, a, a really special sense of humor about him. And he said, you know, if I were to purchase a novel and get a long novel that took me a year and a half to get through and I got all the way to the end and the author tells me nothing about what happened to the main character, then I would complain. And that's true, wouldn't you? If you you would, right? If you take this whole this this everything that's happened to Paul, okay, he's the main character in Acts. Okay, it's the Acts of the Apostles. We have a lot of stuff from the early church in the beginning chapters, and then most of it's devoted to Paul and his ministry. So he's kind of the main character. And we get here to the end, and this is where it stops. <clears throat> we've we've followed uh, Paul all throughout the known world at this time. He's traveled. He's been all over the world. Finally, he's at Rome. Okay, where this is, you know, culminating here. And Luke doesn't tell us anything about the trial. Doesn't say anything about it. He just stops. Luke gets us to Rome through the all, just everything. Just think about. It. Just remember all the stuff that we've been through with Paul. And we get here to Rome, and Luke tells us that Paul was kept there under house arrest. Uh, for two years, probably till somewhere around 60 AD. And though, uh, again, he's in house arrest, so he's not free to travel and to go on any, you know, he's got to stay right there. So he doesn't really have a wide door that was open to him. Uh, But uh, to many, during these two years, it was an effectual door. Because there's some, we, we learn about some things that happened, okay, during this time when he's in two, uh, two years in house arrest. Over in uh, Philippians 4.12, Paul says this. Uh, he says, And all the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. And what does that tell us? He's there. He's under house arrest for two years. That tells us that there were saints even in Nero's household. Believers. Believers in, in Caesar's household. That Paul said. So again, Paul didn't stop working. Paul's in house arrest. He's not stopping sharing the word. There were some converted in Caesar's own house. And isn't that wonderful? How else would that would have happened if God hadn't sent Paul uh, to Rome? But he did. We also learn uh, from uh, Philippians 1, uh, 12 and 14, how God... Uh, overrule part Paul's imprisonment for the furtherance of the gospel. He says this over in Philippians, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which... Ha-, and this is... He's writing in Philippians, okay, while he's... These two years, he's at Rome, he's in prison. He says, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord 
have become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. I read that a little bit. Most of the brethren in the Lord, having become more confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. God was still using Paul. God was not done. He's not done with Paul. God was still using Paul in his chains. The brethren have been encouraged. They've been encouraged. They've been strengthened. They're even now more bold. Because God's, God's bringing Paul's ministry to an end. It's coming to the end. So somebody has to pick that up. What is, what, hey, they're using Paul. Uh, God's using this imprisonment to strengthen the brethren. To make them bold as they share their faith. What else did... So we see that Paul's witnessing. We see uh, saints in the house of... In Nero's house. In Caesar's household. Wonderful testimony. We see the brethren encouraged. And it was also from prison. Okay, this, this two years, house arrest. Uh, that while he was chained, remember, hand to hand to a fellow soldier. That the apostle wrote his letters to the Ephesians. To the Philippians. The Colossians. And Philemon. And some people say, although when you read Hebrews, the author is not identified, right? We don't know for sure who wrote Hebrews. A lot of people believe it was Paul because it's really similar to everything else he wrote. Um, And those who believe it was Paul believe he also wrote Hebrews during this time. So, again, Paul is under house arrest. He is still working. He's still being used. The epistles, when you think about these letters that he wrote while under house arrest, um, I think it was Matthew Henry who had said this, uh, the epistles showed, perhaps more than any others, the Christian love with which his heart overflowed and the Christian experience was with, with which his soul was filled. Again, bound, chained, hand to hand to a guard. What do you see in the epistles? Those, what do you see in Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians? What do you see the heart of a pastor who just loves people? And you see a heart that is filled with love for God's people and for the gospel, continuing to just to overflow and trying to encourage to God's people. Well, again, Paul, uh, Luke leaves us kind of on a cliffhanger. Uh, however, we do have references to Paul and, the, and to what happened to him uh, through early church history. Okay, we, we do have reliable information. Um, Paul did eventually go before Caesar and he had a trial. He was exonerated of all charges and freed. Let go. Again, they knew that. They had nothing against him. How many? And Paul knew it and, and everybody knew it. He was able to uh, resume uh, some of his missionary Journeys, and he continued an apostolic ministry for two to three years after he was freed. In uh, July of 64 AD, uh, the city of Rome was almost burned completely to the ground. And the legend has it that Nero himself, you remember we talked about Nero, right? At first, Nero was a good ruler. He was wise, he was smart. He, he, he ruled well, and then something happened. Remember, he just flipped, and he just kind of went mad and crazy and just went crazy. So legend has it that Nero himself actually set fire to the city. 
And then, remember the, whole, remember the common thing? He's playing his fiddle while the, the, the city would burn. That's what legend says that Nero was doing while the city was on fire. He's playing the fiddle. So everything came to an end. Uh, when the fire, of course, eventually all fires go out. Don't tell that to firefighters, right? But eventually all of them go out. <laughs> um, well, do I do anything or not? They all going to go out. Um, at the end, someone had to be blamed. Nero is a politician, and so somebody's got to be blamed, and it wasn't going to be him. And so he uh, was not going to take the fall, and so guess what he did? He blamed the Christians. The Christians set this place on fire, and it's their fault. And at that time, most of the Roman citizens were not hostile to Christians. There, there was really no hostility there. They were freed and, and weren't being persecuted by anybody. But Nero had himself had a personal hatred for Christians. And so he saw this, hey, this is my opportunity. I'm going to get them. And that's what he did. And so we are told uh, that in 65 AD, uh, both Peter and Paul were martyred by Nero. Uh, they died in different ways. We know about Peter. Peter was crucified. And according to tradition, you remember what his request was. He wanted to be crucified upside down. Why? Because he didn't want to be crucified in the same way that his Lord and Savior was crucified. However, Paul, remember Paul is a Roman citizen. So Roman law would not allow a Roman citizen to be crucified. So we are told in 65 AD that Paul was once again a prisoner and Nero had him taken from jail and publicly executed by a guard who took out his sword and beheaded him. And it was as he was awaiting that, okay, as he's awaiting that second imprisonment there, as he was awaiting to be killed, executed, that he wrote those last words to Timothy. Now we are told, um, or we're not told about what happened during those last days and weeks. Okay, we're not told, but we know kind of how. Uh, the story ends, and here in Acts, this last these last uh, verses, uh, we're left with the apostle free, and the gospel continuing to spread throughout the known world. What an encouraging time in the life of Paul. Matthew Henry uh, kind of shared this as kind of summing up. Uh, it's a good. It was a good uh, quote for a conclusion. As we, as we conclude and we think about the life and ministry of Paul. And I'll end with, uh, with this. It said, The believer of the present time may have less of triumph and less of heavenly joy than the apostle. But every follower of the same Savior is equally sure of safety and peace at the last. Let us seek to live more and more in the love of the Savior, to labor to glorify Him by every action of our lives. That's a wonderful way to finish our study in Acts. Again, next Sunday, Lord willing, um, we will uh, go over, we'll have Paul's last words to Timothy as it is found in 2 Timothy 4. Any questions or any comments? We have about a minute left. Okay. Well, again, thank you for your attention in our study in Acts over the last uh, year and a half. It's been fun. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for our time today. Father, as we look back over the last uh, year and a half and through this study in Acts, 
Father, what uh, a joy it has been to be here together uh, to learn from Your Word. And Father, we just ask that uh, You continue to use Your Word, Father, as um, use it to change us, Father. We ask that the Holy Spirit guide us in all truth. And Father, we pray that You will use us uh, in a mighty way for the sake of Your kingdom. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.